The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. What's up, everyone? Welcome back into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined by my co-host, Aaron Murray. It is week five. We had an awesome week four, a bit of controversy surrounding the Punt and Pass podcast brought on by none other than Aaron Murray himself with a bit of a Interesting pick ahead of the Georgia-Mississippi State game. We have another guest this week, current Kansas City Chiefs quarterback and former Tennessee volunteer Tyler Bray joins the podcast about halfway through. And we're going to touch on even more football games lined up for Week 5. A bit, I wouldn't say a snooze week, but Georgia is heading up to Knoxville, 3.30 CBS game. Georgia's on a roll right now. Knoxville got the volunteers, have their backs against the wall. Butch Jones coaching probably four his job. The other game we're going to cover is the night game on the Plains in Auburn, Mississippi State, coming off a bad beatdown against the Georgia Bulldogs. Travel to Auburn, Alabama, and that game's at 7 p.m. on ESPN, and we're crossing conference lines, Aaron, for the first time. We're going to cover the Clemson-Virginia Tech game. Clemson, the number two team of the nation, heading to Blacksburg, a tough environment. It's the 8 p.m. ABC night game. We'll touch on all that coming up in this week's edition of the punt and pass podcast first things first what's going on brother how's everything going how was your weekend i'm just happy i'm alive right now things got a little <laughs> wild after the podcast last week so it was it was a fun weekend the family and i had the opportunity to go to athens georgia something that we try to do at least once a year as a family try to make it up there and, and we had a great time just being around the fans, being back in, in downtown Athens, even though it, it has changed quite a bit with all the new stores, restaurants, new new buildings on campus. I mean, obviously, it's still it's still beautiful Athens, and I still got to go to a couple of my favorite restaurants and, and had a great time. And obviously, uh, it's always a good weekend when the dogs win, so we had a blast up there in Athens this weekend. No doubt. What are your favorite restaurants in Athens? That's always a, a, a hot topic of conversation. I think we went to five on set or what Friday night five bar. Yeah. Had a little uptown shrimp. So it's always a good time having there. And then just kind of all over the place. We tried a couple new places. Don't remember the names off of my head. Maybe yeah. a couple too many alcoholic beverages kind of <laughs> luring things a little bit at the moment. But it, it was a great time. Great food. Uh, definitely need to take a little vacation from the snacks this week. Back on the diet. Back on the grind again. Yeah, uh, my diet got uh, obliterated this past weekend as well. Speaking of Athens establishments, my favorite place is called the Royal Peasant. It's an English pub. It's in Five Points. It's really close to Buttsmere Heritage Hall, which is where the football facility is. But they have a lamb burger there that it changes every single day. So the chef in the back, he, he mixes it up. He'll put different toppings on it, different cheese. It is the best burger in Athens, I promise you. It's one of my favorite burgers anywhere. And it's a soccer pub, so there's always soccer games on. Obviously, they play football, and football games are on, too. They have great beer selection. Royal Peasant. Shout out to the Royal Peasant. Um, I always go there when I'm in town, so I'm glad you got your favorite thing in Athens. Next time you go, Aaron, I'm going to hold you to it. you got to go to the Royal Peasant. Royal Peasant, maybe a little Calientitos, you oh, know, yeah. kind of mix it up a little bit. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Right. There's just too many options. Way too many options. It's a beautiful place to gain about five or ten pounds in, in about two days. No doubt. So speaking of you being in Athens, um, the podcast was put up last Thursday. Georgia had the 7 p.m. slot on ESPN. So obviously we're going to cover the game. It was between Georgia and Mississippi State, one of only two matchups this past weekend where each team was ranked in the top 25. And you predicted Georgia to lose. You you went on a little rant about how much you love Dan Mullen, and I even think you said you think he was really handsome and stuff. It was it kind of got a little overboard, but you you rolled with Mississippi State and you gave a good reasoning. Did uh, did you find any spit in your food at Five Bar? How, what what went on there? Luckily, we went to Five Bar on Friday night, not Saturday night, or I don't think <laughs> I would. I don't think I would have been allowed into the uh, into the restaurant. So, you know, I I had a strong feeling, and obviously I was wrong. You know, no one's no one's perfect in this business. I'm gonna have a lot more games that I pick incorrectly too, yes. and and I'm happy I picked. I said it last week too. I'm I'm happy I was wrong with my decision. You know, I going back and watching the film and and kind of seeing the two teams. It just that was my thought. It was never where my heart was. My of heart's course. always with the dogs, baby. My heart's always with the dogs. Yeah, but. I made an educated guess, and I was uh, pretty off with that one because the dogs came in and just rolled them. So it was nice to see. I was glad I was actually on the sideline and not in the stands because I don't think I would have been able to get out of the stadium. <laughs> well, I mean, after- okay, first things first, welcome to the big media world. I mean, second yeah. thing second, I guess it's good that people are listening to the podcast because there were newspaper articles written about it. It was posted on message boards. Uh, bloggers were talking about it. And simply put, if you think that – if anybody thinks that you are literally wanting Georgia to lose, even to validate your pick, I mean, they need to turn their brains on. This is your job. Um, like you said, you're probably going to be wrong a lot more in the future. And if you make it big time on CBS SEC, which everybody would think that you will, you might become the most hated man in every fan base. And that's what you want, right? You want the hate to come 50-50. You want everybody you to want hate it. you. Well, speaking of hate, you know, the one man who – Georgia fans get on a lot. Uh, good old David Pollock actually texted me in the middle of the game saying, That's "Hey, so funny. don't don't worry about the haters. I got your back, bro. I'm just killing people on Twitter right now for you." I was like, "That, thank you. I appreciate that." Because so he, everyone who gets some some flack from the Georgia fans, he is definitely enemy number one on a lot of people's message boards. So it was it was kind of funny getting some love from him on uh, on Saturday night after all the all the craziness that went on. Yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, it would be great for you. And I think David, in his ascension at ESPN, David has been covering Georgia through some pretty lean years, right? They've been losing the big game. They've not showed up once a year. Uh, They haven't won in Jacksonville. And he picks against the dogs because he's being objective and looking at the big picture and saying, I don't think they'll win this weekend. You were objective in your pick this past weekend. Uh, You were wrong. But on the bright side... If Georgia is on the rise, which it looks like they are, you could you could benefit from that because now you just get to pick Georgia and just say, hey, you know, literally, I, I, yeah, absolutely. The rest of the year, I, I don't. I think they'll be favored in every game heading on out. I've obviously, the game in Jacksonville, we always have a difficult time playing there. We have a tough time playing against Tennessee at Tennessee, and then obviously playing against Auburn at the end of the year is going to be difficult. They're kind of getting their mojo a little bit back on offense at the moment right now. So there's definitely some tough games ahead of us on our schedule, but I still think we'll be favored in all of them. And, and that definitely makes my life a little bit easier because yes. now 
I don't have to worry about not picking against Georgia. So to all the fans listening on the podcast, I'm going to say it right now. Dogs for the rest of the season. I'll put <laughs> my pick go. out there now. He's I'm going to get it out of the way. I'm not going to change it. Dogs for the rest of the year, unless something just absolutely crazy happens. But <laughs> let's roll, baby. That's great. Um, you know, you caught a lot of flack for your wrong pick, but selfishly, I'm looking at it and going, Where's the love for your boy DB? I, I called it. I said, Georgia's going to roll. I said, they're going to stop Nick Fitzgerald. Defense and special teams are going to win the game for him. And special teams didn't even have to show up because Georgia's defense just absolutely suffocated Dan Mullen. And then Todd Grantham's defense for Mississippi State, not his best showing. And it's cool when I was talking to you when we were on a phone call before we started recording here. You were in Athens with your family on Friday, but you stopped by the football facility hung out with the guys, met some of the new coaches. Had you met Jim Chaney before, or was that your first time? No, so I've, I met Jim Chaney, I believe, this past spring or the spring before. I think it was this past spring. Um, we went in there just to kind of see the team, see what they look like, and and kind of sat down and chatted with him a little bit. And then this past Friday, I get, I get a text message from one of the administrators saying, hey, you know, the quarterbacks would like to meet with you at 2, and, and by the way, Cheney wants to come you to come meet with him in his office at one thirty, And I felt like I was getting called into the principal's <laughs> office. Like, Oh man, I'm in trouble right now. He's probably heard me talking, giving him some crap these past few weeks about, you know, some of the play calling that I didn't agree with. So I'm like, you know, he's going to sit me down and just lay it on me. Like, you know, who do you think you are? And yada, yada. But he was cool. I mean, we sat there and we kind of watched some film. We talked about uh, Tyler Bray, who's on the podcast this week. We talked about him and how he's doing in Kansas city. We talked about, the current QB situation. We kind of went over some plays that they were thinking about this week. So really cool to sit down with him. Obviously a very bright mind, uh, a very difficult situation for him. Just his first two seasons here. And I kind of feel for him a little bit. He has two young QBs. I mean, last year he had a freshman QB this year. Once again, he has a freshman QB playing and it's kind of hard to develop your offense when you're continually having to foster to a young QB who might not have the full reins of the offense at the moment. So uh, props to him though for calling a great game uh, props to the defense uh, they just played lights out uh, once again and, and really carrying this ball team yeah they're so the defense for Georgia right now is so fast and I think the the, the middle of the defense so Lorenzo Carter Roquan Smith and Davin Bellamy I mean when you're getting pressure on the quarterback with the three to four man rush and then you have Roquan Smith who covers space like an absolute madman uh, your defense is going to be able to fly around the ball, make big-time plays, and that's exactly what they did this past weekend. So that was obviously pretty fun to see. On the flip side, the offense looked great. You said you met with Jim Chaney in his office, watched some tape, caught up about some of the guys that you know mutually. But then what did you do after that? You, you met with the quarterbacks too, right? Yeah, so I went down and met with the quarterbacks a little bit, sat down there, and, and we kind of just watched film of Mississippi State, uh, their game last week for, versus LSU, and I kind of just gave my opinion about what I remember from coach Grantham's defense about some of the, the tells that we picked up, just seeing them every week in practice when they're doing the, the overload sonic blitz where they're bringing the, the strong safety and Sam linebacker, you know, some cues to kind of see where that backside corner is getting lined up to give some indicators and other ways, other things that I remember. So it was fun just being back in that QB room, uh, just watching some film with the boys and they're definitely both of those guys are both knowledgeable quarterbacks. They know what they're doing. They know the defenses. It was pretty impressive when I would ask a question. They were able to pop it right back out at me with a great answer. So the the, the dogs are in good hands with whoever they decide to go with. Um, but it was definitely nice to see it translate onto the field. And I think for them offensively, 
the great thing was that offensive line. And that was a huge yeah, question mark great. this year. It just phenomenal. I haven't seen the offensive line play that well in a long time. The way they were able to move uh, what Mississippi State's strength was that their, their defensive line trying to open up some pretty big gaps, uh, some holes that I think you and I could have could have <laughs> run through you, not me, uh, Saturday not night. So, yeah. But it was it was awesome to see it. But it, like I said, it was great meeting with those guys, me with Coach Cheney, me with the QBs, uh, feeling feeling some love before I got absolutely massacred in the stadium Saturday night. Okay, so yes, you're you're in Athens, family's there, Mama Murray's there, your sister, brother Josh Murray. I mean, it's the it's the whole crew, right? You're walking around the facility, you're helping out with the coaches, you're meeting with the quarterbacks. What a fantastic weekend for Aaron Murray. Then, as you mentioned, this on the, on week four of the Punt and Pass podcast, you're going to call the dogs. Now, I had the privilege of doing that in week three. Uh, I was with my man, Musa Smith. You were going to do it with Veron Haynes, another absolute legend in Georgia football history. But I think it happened on Friday because you texted me. Uh, change of plans? Is that what happened? Change of, change of plans. I was getting – I got a call – I want to say Friday night, late night, and I get a call like, hey, Aaron, you know, for your safety, I think we should for kind of call safety. off. Safety. No, the, the safety is my thing, not for my. <laughs> we should kind of, we, we think we might need to postpone you calling the dogs for another another opportunity. We're going to let Veron do it on his own. So I was like, listen, if you guys think it's the best, then that's fine with me. You know, a little disappointed, but, you know, the last thing we wanted as a headline was, you know, Aaron Murray gets booed calling the dogs. Even oh if it was a couple God. of people, you know, the papers were going to pick it up. So, of course, of course. And I still, so they, there's a ton of guys. There. I mean, Champ was there. Boss Bailey was there. I mean, we had Brandon Boykin, Rennie Curran, I'm Chris Durham. So we had about 10 to 15 former players there at the game on the sidelines. And, and they kind of every couple timeouts would, would bring us on the field and announce us. So yeah. I'm standing by Boykin, Brandon Boykin, and he goes, man. I'm going to get the the blunt of this because everyone's going to be booing. And it's going to be like a little delayed reaction. So it's going to be like, they're booing me. <laughs> so I was like, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And, and everything ended up being fine. I don't think there was any boos uh, when they announced all of us, or at least when they announced me, which was nice to hear. So it was still a great time. Definitely some heckling after the game. People were like, what do you think about that pick Murray? What do you think? What do you think? I'm like, listen, uh, tune in like I said, five. I'm happy. Tune into week five of the punt and pass tune podcast. To the punt and pass out. podcast. Rate, rate, rate review, subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. So. I mean, obviously, well, that's breaking news here, too, on the Punt and Pass podcast week five. Um, Murray subbed out late because of the backlash of a controversial pick. But, yeah, dude, I was out here in Arizona, and then I woke up, and I'm starting to see, like, oh, man, you know, Murray picked against Georgia, and then, like, newspaper articles were coming out, and then I was getting alerts on my phone of people literally writing about your pick and the Punt and Pass podcast, and I'm glad they linked it because I was going to be really frustrated if they just said, like, on a podcast or in the media, but they linked it. We got some good hits. We got some traction. So because of your Listen, I took boldness, I took one for the team. You did, and it was wrong. I was 3-0 and against the spread last week. That's my second week you. in a row. I'm on for fire. You. Just oh, I'm taking you to Vegas. Right. No, I saw, yeah. So I saw your dad on the sideline and I went up to him and he goes, I go, man, your, your, your son's really enjoying my pick this week. <laughs> He's really laying it on me between your, your Instagram posts of, of Mullins and myself as the uh, stepbrothers to some of the other comments. I mean, just laying it on. I loved it. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. And he was dying laughing on the sideline too. It was all in good fun. And uh, you went Two and one against the spread last week. Obviously, only missing that Georgia game when you picked Mississippi State. 
with the points. We're going to touch on some more games right here, and then we got the interview with Tyler Bray coming up in a couple minutes. But going back to last week, um, just touching on a few things. Kentucky snatched defeat out of the jaws of victory. I've never seen anything like that. Um, Mark Stoops, the head coach, said this week that they will have designated players to cover wide receivers on defensive plays, and uh, I think those are called cornerbacks. Is that right, Aaron? I'm not a football. I think that, I think that's what those guys are called over there. I He's mean, a defensive-minded guy. I mean, what is he trying to do? Be sneaky? I, I just don't I, get it. I could not believe that. Florida obviously scored on one of those plays where. Um, nobody was covering the the wide receiver, and they were up by ten. Kentucky was up by ten points late in the game, and uh, lost on a last second field goal. So that was pretty crazy. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Well, some craziness in Gainesville too. Yes. You know, Felipe Franks right now. I I, I completely disagree with McElwain and, and what he's doing right now. I think it's absolutely absurd that you you take a young QB right now and bench him. Uh, his mindset is just going to be completely. I don't know where. And then all of a sudden next year you expect him to come back and start for you after being benched. It's just crazy. I mean, you got to, but that once again, this goes back to SEC media, the SEC fans, the administration as a coach, you need to win now. And at his, what his mindset is, listen, if, if we have a losing season with this rookie quarterback, this freshman quarterback, I may not be here next year. So what does it matter? You know, he, in his mind, He's putting himself above the program, above the player, and he's just trying to keep his job, which I think is only going to hurt him come next year when, once again, you have a young, inexperienced quarterback that you that hasn't had the time to develop in these games. Yeah, it shows. And obviously, Del Rio is playing okay. But you said it like on our first podcast. You were like, ride with Felipe Franks. Take your punches, let him learn on the job, and you'll be set up for success in the future. They just It seems like it's one step forward, two steps back for Florida at that QB position, and that could make for a very interesting second half of the season. In Gainesville for the Gators, the, the last game that we're going to touch on from last week, and again, I'm going to brag because I'm good. I said Bama was going to absolutely steamroll Vanderbilt. And oh, I thought you wow, you should really brag. You should brag know, about that. I, I know, think, and you know, I, I, I think everyone picked that game. I, I I tweeted it out too. I was like, you know, I, I'm not I'm not acting like it's a courageous pick to say the number one team's going to win on the road at Vanderbilt, but the false sense of confidence, not only from the team, um, but from the fan base, and they're smart people, right? I mean, you have to be smart to go to Vanderbilt. I thought they're sitting there going, thinking that they were going to actually contend in the football game and i i said no you're gonna get rocked and bama was laying 18 and a half points they won 59 to nothing and they took two knees on the half yard line inside of two minutes just to end the game um it was probably one of the most dominating sec performances in the past couple years vanderbilt did not have to help themselves at all but man bama looked good they looked complete Jalen Hurts he he doesn't even have to throw the football I mean it's insane he rolls out to the right side of the field every single time dumps it off to a tight end or lets one of his playmakers like Calvin Ridley get behind the safeties Uh, it it was it was pretty impressive it seems like Alabama is obviously going to represent the West in Atlanta you you could you could say that at this point of the season oh yeah I definitely think you can you can say that I think uh, Auburn right now is, is kind of getting their, their steam back a little bit on the offensive side of the football. So we'll see if they can, you know, give them a fight later on the season. You never know what happens on our iron bowl, but two pretty amazing stats for me looking at this Alabama game. One Alabama had the ball for 43 minutes. Oh, it was unbelievable. 43 minutes to 17 minutes. That is and crazy. They, 
absolutely. And then two, the only team in college football yet to have a, a turnover on the offensive side of the football. Really? Yes. The only team right now through four games, no turnovers. And that's how you win football games. You're disciplined. You don't turn the ball over. You play great defense and, and you take care of the ball in the offense. Like I said, and they're doing those things right now. And, and I don't see many teams in the country. Uh, maybe Clemson's playing well. Oklahoma's playing well. Uh, Georgia's playing well. So that, I mean, it looks like those two are going to be playing in Atlanta. But right now in the West, I really don't see anyone stopping these guys at the moment. Yeah, it's crazy, and you know the 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 the, the no no turnovers on offense is not surprising because I think I read somewhere that if you do commit a turnover, like fumble or throw an interception, they said Nick Saban just cuts your hands off your body. So that's that's the new thing at Alabama, I guess. I think you have a choice: you could either be waterboarded, like a <laughs> interrogation, or they're just going to cut your hands off. Listen, finger, whatever it takes finger, to win these games, man. Finger by finger with like a cigar cutter. I saw that yeah, on an episode of twenty four. Like, I would, I would not doubt it. So, yeah, dude, uh, craziness. Uh, we had a great week four. I'm glad you got to air out uh, what happened with your pick against Georgia. But now we have a special guest, and after this interview with Tyler Bray, who is a current Kansas City Chief and former quarterback for the Tennessee Volunteers, we will preview the week five. Game. So without further ado, let's welcome in our guest on the Punt and Pass podcast, Tyler Bray. All right, we want to welcome in this week's guest to the Punt and Pass podcast, a close friend of Aaron Murray's and a current quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, the 3-0 and Kansas City Chiefs, former quarterback for the Tennessee Volunteers. Tyler Bray, thanks for joining the podcast. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I'm glad Aaron uh, was was brave enough to reach out to one of his former teammates and and ask to be on the Punt and Pass podcast. We have a lot of fun here. Thanks for your time, Murray. I know you guys had a a good relationship when you were in Kansas City, but I think one of the coolest things about having Tyron, not only is he a former quarterback at Tennessee, so we're going to get a different opinion and look at the Georgia-Tennessee game coming up this weekend, but his offensive coordinator, was none other than Jim Cheney, who is now the offensive coordinator at tennis. I mean, excuse me, at Georgia. So, cool perspective that we'll have here. And uh, Tyler, first things first. I mean, it's a little bit hot in Knoxville right now. Butch Jones falling on hard times, losing that Florida game in uh, pretty stunning fashion. What are your thoughts on the current climate uh, in Tennessee right now? Yeah, the Florida game was a tough loss. Uh, anytime you get beat on it. Hail Mary type pass isn't a isn't what you want, but came back had a didn't get to watch much of the UMass game, but saw the final score, got the win, which is always good, but it didn't look like it was a uh, a blowout like it could have been. Definitely not what they were expecting. I think they were twenty eight point favorite. They won by four points. UMass was zero uh, and four, I think, heading into the game, or zero and three at least. So. Butch Jones kind of fell apart at the seams in a press conference this past week, was, was kind of firing off on the media saying how negativity is – It's uh, what did he say? He said the negativity is astounding or something like that. But it certainly seems like he knows he's on the hot seat. The fans are not exactly happy when you beat UMass by only four points. I mean, how do you think they can turn 2017 into a success? It obviously starts this week in Knoxville with Georgia coming to town. Yeah, it's crazy being three and one and you're here on the hot seat. But uh yeah, Tennessee's rich in tradition and winning. 
the SEC win championships. So if uh, we're not beating teams how we should be, uh, the fans get pretty upset fast. Yeah, that's just SEC football. You know, you see, we saw it with Coach Rick. We win a few games. We win 10 games and he's getting fired and he's off to Miami. It's just a tough crowd. It's tough to please these fans. It's tough to please the administrators up front. I mean, they want to win and they want their Nick Saban. That's the big thing. They want Nick Saban type coach year in, year out. The guy that's going to bring you to the SEC championship game. The guy that's going to bring you to a national championship. And it's just hard to do. And these fans have just uh, unreasonable expectations for their coaches and for these teams. And it's hard, but you got to love it though. You got to love the passion. You got to love the excitement. Um, another kid who I, who I like on Tennessee, a kid who I got to work with this spring a little bit for a few days. And I'm talking about Quentin Dormandy right here, uh, a big kid, big arm, very similar to you. Six, four can throw it all over the field. His first season uh, right now, uh, he's definitely had some ups. He's had some downs. I was actually at the Florida game a couple weeks ago, seeing him live in action and, and made some great, really good throws. I don't think they're opening up the offense enough for him at the moment to let him really shine. I don't know if it's a trust thing with his knowledge of the playbook or his surrounding, uh, his supporting cast. I would like to get your opinion, Tyler, about what you think about Dormady. Uh, and if they, if, you know, middle of the season, things aren't getting better. Do they make a, do they make a change at the QB position? Yeah. I mean, the kids got all the, the tools you look for in a quarterback. Uh, you can sling it around the field. Uh, looks like he gets through his reads pretty quickly, which is good. I mean, you don't have a lot of time standing back there when you're, facing some good pass rushing in the SEC. But, I mean, it's it's tough. You're going against top-rated defenses in the country each week. And for his first year, he's not a, he's not doing too bad. I mean, he's not doing great. But at the same time, he's 3-1 and one right now. And uh, hopefully he can be 4-1 and one this next week. Yeah, I remember you coming in, actually. It was, I think, my sophomore year, freshman or sophomore year, and we're whooping up on Tennessee at home uh, pretty bad. I think Sims is the QB at this point in the season, and it, it's like a blow. It's like 45 nothing, Game's <laughs> over. All of a sudden, all of a sudden this, tall, this tall, lanky dude from California named Tyler Brad, no idea who he was, comes in and just drives them down the field and just starts slinging the rock left and right. I'm like, man, this kid's impressive. He's like 6'6", is throwing – 18 yard comebacks, throwing fade balls and just diced our defense up and down the field. And obviously we still whoop some butt in one, but, uh, you were a young kid playing at Tennessee. You know, what, what, how did kind of talk to us about your opinion about what he could do as a freshman? What, what's his job right now, uh, to go out there and earn the trust of his teammates, his coaches and, and this fan base. Well, I think he's just got to win. I mean, we went out, I mean, the three years I was there, we went out, we put up some great offensive numbers, but I, we had losing seasons every year. So when you're not winning the ball games, it doesn't matter how pretty your stats are. The fans aren't going to be happy. Yeah, winning certainly cures all. And, and you said it when we opened up the interview, Tyler. It's kind of crazy to think that Tennessee's 3-1 and one and they're ready to just blow the whole thing up in Knoxville. I mean, do you see them? I mean, I know Aaron just kind of touched on it. Do do you do you feel like they've allowed Dormady to have success in the offense because there's been some head scratching coaching decisions. Most notably for me when I look at Tennessee, I see how good John Kelly is and I'm like, "Man, feed this guy the ball. He is a game breaker. He's a big play guy." I don't know why they don't rely on him more and I would of course expect them to have their best game of the season this weekend against Georgia. 
Yeah, I mean, they need to come out. They need, they do need to feed him the ball. He's been running great. He's, I want to say he's had 100 yards each game. It's hard for me to watch, though. We're traveling on Saturdays, but I get to look at the stats every once in a while. But, I mean, Dormandy just needs to just get back to the basics, not try to rush things, not try to force ball downfield, make the game-winning throw every play. He needs to check it down, get the ball into his playmaker's hands, and let them uh, make plays. Drew alluded to this earlier, uh, Tyler, about Jim Chaney and and him working with you, uh, him being your OC when you're when you were at Tennessee, and now the offensive coordinator for Georgia. I got to actually meet with with Chaney this past weekend uh, before the game, uh, before the Georgia game on Friday, and he sat down. We obviously talked about you, and he asked me how you were doing at Kansas City, and I said you're the same old Tyler Bray, goofy out there having a good time and just slinging the pig pigskin left and right. Uh, so any good Stuff from him. What's your opinion on him as an offensive coordinator uh, and what you saw in the type of offense you ran at Tennessee? Because I remember at Tennessee, you guys were pretty, pretty spread out. And I knew that was mostly because you had some great receivers and and obviously a great quarterback to get those guys the rocks. But uh, what do you see different now with him uh, being the OC at Georgia? I mean, I loved him as a offensive coordinator. I mean, I mean, he schemed up uh, plays for the three great receivers we had and tied in and uh, we're throwing the ball around the field and also running it. He brings a balanced attack to it. And I got to see you guys ran a flea flicker the first play last week. Yep. Yeah. I mean, stuff like that. He dials up. He, he knows he's schemed what they're going to do on the first play of the game and probably got the look he wanted and it worked out. Yeah, it's cool to see him kind of um, gain the trust of the fan base. The players are obviously responding this year, and he's got an embarrassment of riches for sure across the offense. If that line plays well and continues to improve, it'll be fun to see where Georgia's offense takes off. You just mentioned your three receivers while you were the quarterback. It was Justin Hunter, Derek Rogers from Calhoun, Georgia, and who is the f- who's the third one I'm thinking of? Cordell Patterson. Oh, God. I mean, that's... Oh, man. That's talking about just loaded. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> pretty special right there and your stats at Tennessee obviously show that you did what it took to now be in the NFL and uh, heading into your fifth season you're in your fifth season for the 3-0 Kansas City Chiefs that's pretty awesome before we let you go Tyler I got one more question for you and this is about Georgia Jake Fromm the true freshman has started off the season because Eason was injured now it sounds like Eason is getting healthy quick what do you do if you're the head coach do you ride the hot hand in Jake Fromm or do you kind of go with the NFL moniker of you can't lose your job to injury? Uh, George has finally got a quarterback in the number 11 jersey. That's pretty good. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. Uh, but I think you ride the hot hand uh, until he shows that it's not his spot anymore. I mean, I know it's an injury. and it's, He was your starter, but, I mean, he played pretty well last week. So you ride the hot hand until it's not hot. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that. Um, I know Aaron and I will dive into this a little bit more in depth, but I think it's pretty much split 50-50 if you listen to um, sports radio or anybody covering Georgia. It'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. What do you, what do you think, Aaron? I mean, obviously you don't have to make your prediction now, but you guys it's are quarterbacks. Tough. I, you understand what's going on there. I think it's tough for both sides. I think it's tough uh, in Eason's perspective to get back and now it's a lot of if he does come in and play it's a lot of pressure on him to to go out there and perform at a level that maybe he can't perform right now or maybe he's coming in 
a little too early from this injury. And the last thing you want is a quarterback. And Tyler and I both know this. Both of us have torn our ACLs. And obviously this wasn't an ACL, but it is a knee injury. Is the last thing you want to do is worry about guys rolling into you. The last thing you want is a 300-pound guy getting pushed into you, falling on your leg. Uh, so then at that point, you're worried about stepping in the throws. You're worried about staring at the line a little bit more than you should uh, instead of staring downfield. So for him, it's just going to be making sure he is healthy, not trying to rush it. Uh, and if he gets a shot, I mean, he's going to have a lot of pressure on him to go out there and produce because Jake Fromm has been playing extremely well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if he continues to play well this weekend, it's just going to be a harder decision for the coaching staff. All right, Tyler. Well, we thank you for coming on. One last question. We need your prediction for the game. Who's going to win, and what do you think the score will be? Well, I think Tennessee is going to win. It's Ooh, gonna, okay. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. I'm going to go say 21-14, Tennessee. 21-14, Tennessee, Tyler Bray's official prediction heading into this weekend's Georgia-Tennessee game, which is on CBS at 3.30. Well, Tyler, we appreciate you joining the Punt and Pass podcast. Have a great weekend, and good luck on Monday night football. Good luck, Thank Tyler. You. All right, buddy. You Bye. All right, that was a cool interview with your former teammate, Tyler Bray. Awesome to hear his perspective on Jim Chaney, who is his offensive coordinator at Tennessee, what he thinks – about Tennessee through four games, and uh, we even asked him about the upcoming controversy that seems to be looming in Athens, which is what's going to happen when Jacob Eason gets healthy. So, Murray, appreciate you setting that up, big dog. That was a good interview. Yeah, good dude, talented QB. I mean, there's very few guys in, in the entire world that can throw the ball as far as Tyler Bray. I mean, really? it's pretty impressive to see what – oh, it's – it's unbelievable what that kid can do. So he just, you know, he'll get his shot in the league. It's one thing in the league. It's it's tough to get your shot. And and Alex has been extremely healthy these past five years. So it's hard to get in there and get any reps. Uh, but the kid, you know, whether it's this year or next year, will definitely find a shot somewhere to to get out there and 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 sling the ball around a little bit. Yeah, it's hard to hide that kind of talent when you just have an absolute laser for an arm. And he's like legit six five too, right? Like he's got the, six six. Yeah. yeah, he's a big boy. He's got the build and the technique and the mechanics and all that good stuff. So that was really cool having him on. But now we get to jump into our Week 5 game previews. And, again, here are the games that we're going to preview. That 3.30 CBS game is Georgia at Tennessee. The 7 p.m. ESPN game is Mississippi State at Auburn. And then we're jumping outside conference lines, like I said earlier. We're going to Blacksburg. Clemson's laying 7 to Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, which everybody knows is a tough place to play. So luckily for us, we get to cover the dogs again. Georgia entering Knoxville as a favorite. He, they, dogs are giving seven points, and we mentioned it earlier. Butch Jones is coaching for his job. This will be an extremely interesting game. I know most Georgia fans are extremely pessimistic because of what's happened in the past. But Aaron, this is a new regime. This is a new team. You saw it up front and personal last week. These guys seem for real. Oh, definitely for real. And I think the one thing for these guys is the leadership. I think they have a lot of guys. And I think that's why everyone's excited about this year. When you have these top guys, these top juniors that could have gone and been drafted in the top three rounds in the NFL draft, they're like, hey, listen, we see something special here. We got a special group of guys, not only seniors, but throughout this team that if we come back, we can, we can make some noise uh, across the country. And right now they're making a lot of noise and, and I just see a dominant defense, yeah. and it, we've seen it all year. It's unbelievable how fast these guys are flying around the football. 
how physical they are, not only at the front seven, but those DBs were just knocking dudes out this past week. So that was impressive to see. And then, then our big question mark was the offensive line and, and how can they hold up, you know, very poor play last season. Weren't able to run the ball in between the tackles. Weren't able to protect uh, Eason in the pocket last season. And I saw a completely different team this, this past Saturday. And I don't know if they're finally just starting to gel, if it's the play calling or what, but those guys were opening up some big lanes I think Cheney did an awesome job of calling plays and, and mixing up formations. Uh, he used a lot of motions to kind of confuse the defense, and, and they, they used it to their advantage. And and that atmosphere, too, uh, Saturday night was just electric, and I think they just bought into it. And, and they gotta, they got to use that. they got to use the, the leadership. they got to use the momentum right now because Knoxville is a, is a tough place to play. That place is going to be roar, rolling uh, come Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Yeah, it really is, and and I think that was one of George's most complete performances um, from all three phase standpoint and coaching in a very long time. You just said it. Jim Chaney seems like he's finding his niche while at Georgia. It was great to see him mix up those formations. It was great to see him get the tight ends involved. It's great to see the offensive line gelling and opening up holes for Chubb and Sony and DeAndre Swift, who will probably be a freshman All-American. That kid is a freak, but you just said it, man. The defense is so dominant, so fast and physical. And then special teams. You got Rodrigo blasting the ball out every single kickoff. Cam Nizelak, the transfer punter, I mean, he's doing extremely well, too. They have not let up one return yard on a punt yet. I mean, I know I never did that at Georgia. That is a huge testament, not only to how they're kicking the ball, but how the teams are covering. And when you've got starters out there playing special teams, it shows. And, and Georgia looks the part and that makes it interesting because the fan base is pessimistic for whatever reason they just are but i'm here to say aaron i'm all in man i think georgia can do it and and when i say do it get to atlanta i mean that's the first goal right win the east get to atlanta if they can continue to put performances together like they did against mississippi state they are going to be a tough team to beat and you can see the mentality from the top down you can see the mentality from the leadership. These guys get it, and they're going into Knoxville probably with a personal chip on their shoulder considering how the game ended just a year ago. Oh, yeah, huge chip after that Hail Mary last season. But uh, I think they're rolling it. I think for Tennessee right now, I'm really concerned about where that program is. There's yeah. just not a lot of excitement. Uh, being at the game two weeks ago versus Florida, especially after losing to a Hail Mary uh, that team, just, they don't bring a lot of excitement on the offensive side of the football. They, they, they're they not very balanced. There's not a lot of trust when it comes to putting the ball in Quinn and Dormady, their quarterback's hands. It's it's give the ball to Kelly, John Kelly, their stud running back, which yeah. is a great thing to do. I mean, the guy can do it all, but when, if you're going to be one-dimensional versus Georgia defense, uh, you're going to be in trouble, and it's going to be a low-scoring game for these guys come Saturday afternoon, and, and their only hope is that their crowd is rocking and rolling and going to make it tougher for the Georgia offense to kind of hear and communicate. And, and, and that's a whole pain in the butt to deal with when it comes to playing that stadium. But I just don't see that team being able, I'm talking about Tennessee's offense, being able to put enough points on the board to even make this a close game. Yeah, I don't either. And I think you just said it. If, if Georgia does not beat themselves, you know, if they don't go out there and fumble the opening kickoff or, or lose the ball when they're driving on their first possession, they should be able to take care of business, and I'll tell you why. Because Tennessee stinks. Georgia's going to win this game by 17 points. I'm not, I'm not sitting here biased as a former Georgia player. I'm just telling you right now, and I heard a player, I think it was DeAndre Baker, after the game on Saturday, 
He said defense travels. I don't think I've ever heard that before, but when you got guys in the locker room already focused on the next game after they just dominated Mississippi State, he said something along the lines of, oh, yes, sir, we know it's going to be tough. Yes, sir, we understand what comes with playing in Neyland Stadium, but defense travels, and I was like, damn. Um, they're going in there with one focus, and that's to get out with a victory. And I think it'll probably be dominant. Jake Fromm most likely going to start again, right, Aaron? I mean, I would think he starts this week for sure. They're going to run, run, run the ball. Defense plays, kick the ball off on special teams, and uh, come back to Athens with a victory. That's my early prediction. We'll get a little bit more specific here in a minute. Yeah, I agree with you. The, the one thing Georgia can do is, one, feel too high about themselves, and that goes back to great leadership not only – at the coaching um, the co- from the coaches, but from the players, from these senior leaders, making sure that these guys realize that it's a long season, man. They're, they're four games in right now. There's a lot of tough games to be played, a lot of tough SEC games. And if you give a team like Tennessee at home any kind of excitement, like you said, if there's a fumble, if there's an interception, if there's a, a trick play from Tennessee that turns into a big touchdown, you know, that's all that team needs because they, at the end of the day, they are an SEC team and they do have plenty of talent on both sides of the football you're going to a very hostile environment. So for, for this Georgia team, the one thing is just to make sure you focus, make sure you're not committing stupid penalties, making sure you're protecting the football and making sure you're playing discipline on defense because this offense for Tennessee, like I said, is not too exciting at the moment. They're not creating a lot of explosive plays. So what do you do in this situation when your coach is on the line? You start coming up with some funky plays, some yep. reverses, some you know flea flickers like Georgia pulled last week. So as a defense, you need to be prepared for anything. And then from the special teams point, be ready for some onside kicks, be ready for some fake punts. I mean, this team, Tennessee is a desperate football team right now. They have nothing to lose. Exactly. Yeah. And it'll be really interesting to see how those guys play for coach Jones. Um, I mentioned it in the show up and he was kind of like losing it at the seams this past week in a media press conference saying like the negativity is astounding and it's, it's deafening. And I don't know, man, it seems like they're focused on other things. Oh yeah. And the defensive tackle shy Tuttle. Have you, have you heard this story at all? He's got, like, a fractured orbital bone. Butch Jones said he fell on a helmet, which I I don't think that's probably what happened. No. Um, a player at Tennessee named Nigel Warrior, who went to Peachtree Ridge High School. Shout out Peachtree Ridge. That's my high school in Swanee, Georgia. I heard Nigel Warrior punched him in the face. <laughs> or they got in a fight in the locker room, and I heard Nigel punched him in the face, and Shy Tuttle, who's one of their best D linemen, probably not going to be able to play this weekend. And uh, I've been around a lot of football teams and a lot of football players. I've never seen somebody fall onto a helmet and hurt their face bone. Listen, those big guys, they start tumbling, and, you know, 300 That's pounds hilarious. fall. <laughs> 300 pounds falling on a, uh, on a helmet could do some damage, I guess, but I'm not... I'm with you. I'm not buying that one. There's a little scuffle There's, yeah, it's, somewhere behind the lanes. It's crazy. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how the players respond. And if Georgia is to jump out early, uh, they're going to attack Quentin Dormady. There's absolutely no doubt. The way the defensive line has played up to this point, stuff the run and then get them behind the chains, third and long, and let 7-17 seven and 17 just go to work. You can make him look uncomfortable really, really fast. On the offensive side of the ball, Jake Fromm, he just needs to not turn the ball over, continue managing the games. Jim Chaney will have a great game, I'm sure, dials some special stuff up against his former employer at Tennessee. And here's my prediction, Aaron. Georgia covers seven points, and they win 34-13. to 13. It's going to be a dominant victory. They're going to win by more than two scores, and Georgia will be continuing to rock and roll with another road game after this one, 
at Vanderbilt. So that's my take. I was 3-0 last week, and guess what? I'm going 3-0 again. Georgia covers the seven points. They win 34-13. I'm going Georgia covering the spread. Obviously, there's no way I could have picked the dogs this week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm going, I'm going 28 to six. I just think this oh, Tennessee wow. offense, there's nothing there, and, and the dogs right now on defense. It's just I'm loving what I see. This team is, as probably if not the best, one of the you know top two or three defenses in the country. Yeah, it's fun to watch, and um, I think, and I know people are going to be watching. Some dog fans in particular will be watching with one eye closed. But I think Georgia will be able to go up there and just really take care of business, have that focused mindset, handle the football, and whoop some ass up in Tennessee. So that'll be fun to watch. And maybe maybe they don't. Maybe we eat crow next week. But I really do think Georgia takes care of business. Moving on to the next game, Aaron, going down to the plains of Auburn, Alabama, Mississippi State coming off a tough, tough loss at Georgia that we just talked about. This is the 7 p.m. game on ESPN. Mississippi State is getting nine points from Auburn. And it's kind of crazy because Auburn, not the best start. You know, they, they, they lost to Clemson. They struggled against Mercer. But I'm watching college football live. I'm, I'm listening to radio shows. And people really do think that this Auburn team will continue to get better throughout the season and challenge Alabama in the Iron Bowl. They're given nine points here. Mississippi State got to bounce back. This will be a fun game to watch late in the evening on Saturday. I think a fun game, and, and like you said, this this Auburn team is getting better, and we know they had a great defense. They've shown it all year long that they're able to to be dominant. That front seven for theirs is extremely dominant, not only in the run game but in the pass game as well, getting after the QB. And then you look at Jared Stidham right now. His last two games, he's gone 45 of 54, still not throwing a lot of tutties, but his completions are there. They're finding the running game once again, uh, and this offense is only going to continue getting better and better throughout the season. So if these guys stay alive, continue to win, uh, you never know what can happen in Iron Ball. There's some crazy stuff that happens in that game, uh, these big rivalry games. Anyone can win at the end of the day. So uh, I think Auburn is going to win this one. I think it will be a close game. Mississippi State last week. Uh, show that they're just not as dominant as an offense as I, I thought they would be. Um, Georgia just did an unbelievable job of holding Nick Fitzgerald to to not being able to run the ball and not being able to pass the ball and, and show kind of their weakness uh, from an offensive standpoint. And, and I think their biggest thing is they don't have any – when I was looking at that, they didn't have a lot of big receivers, a lot of small guys that just couldn't get open versus press coverage. So they're going to have to find ways and be a little bit more creative on offense. Uh, but right now, Auburn, I think, starting to roll a little bit. Yeah, this definitely will be a very interesting game to watch. Auburn giving nine points. That's a lot. Mississippi State, again, coming off that tough beatdown against Georgia. I would expect them to find their footing in Auburn. Now, that is the nine points. I would probably take those, Aaron. I'm going to take the nine points for Mississippi State. But Auburn wins this game. They're, they're rocking and rolling right now. You just said it. Offense seems like they're clicking. They're moving towards that eventual battle royale with Alabama. They're going to have to get through a couple other SEC West teams along the way and Georgia. But it just seems like with Auburn's defense in that front seven, if you can stop Nick Fitzgerald, that is a tough name to say, Nick Fitzgerald. Georgia showed them the blueprint a week ago. Stop him and you can control the football game. So I would pick Mississippi State with the points. Auburn probably scores a late touchdown makes a few stops on defense in the fourth quarter, and gets a much-needed conference victory at home. And again, that game is at 7 p.m. on ESPN. So, Murray, I'm taking the points, but Auburn wins the game. I'm taking Auburn wins the game, and they're going to cover. I think 
defensively, they're going to stop this this Mississippi State uh, offense. Uh, I think, like you said, Georgia definitely gave them the blueprint uh, on how to stop Coach Mullen's offense. Uh, so I think they'll shut them down all night. And for Mississippi State, they're going to, once again, a very hostile environment. You know, that environment, Saturday night, um, they just did not do a good job with communication of getting guys in and out. And now you go to Auburn and you're going to have the same problem with a lot of noise, a lot of craziness. Uh, so it's tough to go back to back away games against probably two of the two of the toughest places to play in the SEC. Yeah. So and, and like I said, I really like the way Auburn's playing right now on the offensive side of the football. So I got those guys winning. Um, I got them winning by 13 points. I think they'll okay. win. Touchdown, a couple couple of field goals. All right. Well, you're going to lay the points. Auburn wins. By 13 points, I think Auburn wins by mm, seven or eight. Again, that nine, that's a lot of points, so I'll take those. And for the first time on the Punt and Pass podcast, Aaron, we're going outside SEC conference lines. We're going to cover right now the Clemson-Virginia Tech game. Clemson's going into Blacksburg, the number two team in the nation. Clemson Tigers are going to play. I believe Virginia Tech is ranked number 12 in the nation, and this game's at 8 p.m., on ABC, and man, I really like Clemson. I really like the way they're playing football. Their defense is completely stout. Kelly Bryant last week, a few growing pains, but this is a big game team again and again for the past couple years. Clemson answers the bell in primetime big games and just dominates, and I would expect them to do the same thing in Blacksburg. Clemson's going to roll. Clemson is going to roll over Virginia Tech, lay the seven points, and watch this team continue to be like what looks to seem a collision course with Alabama. What are your thoughts? I agree. I think this team uh, can sometimes play down to their competition, and I'm speaking of Clemson here. So last week going against Boston College, tied 7-7 through the first three quarters and then kind of laid it on in the fourth quarter. And I think the big problem with them right now is is still trying to find that leadership at the QB position. And, and I think – Kelly's playing great. Kelly Bryant's playing awesome so far this year, but he needs to mature and understand that every game he needs to bring it. You know, just because you're playing a Boston college doesn't mean you get the day off and you can kind of chill your first three quarters and then kind of turn it on come the fourth quarter. So hopefully that was, a, like you said, a, some growing pains for him, kind of understand that as a leader of this football team, it's not a week on, week, week in, week out thing. You are going to have to come out there and play your butt off every single week. Uh, and then this week's no different versus Virginia Tech, a very talented, uh, very talented team. Uh, so it's going to be a good game, but I completely agree. Clemson plays well in these big games. Uh, they thrive when the lights are shining bright. So I got them winning and rolling, and, and they're just too talented on both sides of the football. Yeah, that'll be a fun game to watch because the atmosphere is going to be electric. Blacksburg, they got all that cool fan stuff that they do before the first kick, enter Sandman, all that nonsense. But Dabo has these guys ready to roll, man. They're gonna run. They're gonna walk in there Saturday night, and I think Fowler and Herb Street will be pretty bored in the second half because Clemson is gonna take care of business. And Virginia Tech has some. Way. They they definitely have some talent, though. I mean, their quarterback Josh Jackson's had twelve touchdowns this year. Yeah, they got a big, big receiver Cam Phillips, who's had I think over five hundred yards receiving, five touchdowns. So they have some talent. They're a good team. There is a reason why they're undefeated. They're number twelve in the country right now. And I think a lot of people definitely have, have slept on the ACC and, and how deep this conference is. I'm not saying they're SEC talent. I don't know if they're quite there yet. You know, they had a great season last year uh, doing pretty well against SEC teams, but 
from top to bottom, this conference is getting better every year when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to playing in these type of big time games. So, uh, you know, I, I still don't think Virginia Tech's going to win, but this is a team that should have a good rest of the year as well. Yeah, they've had one good win against West Virginia. Um, they dominated the teams that they're supposed to dominate. And this is their big test. If they're for real, they'll be able to take Clemson deep, maybe knock them off, but I just don't see it happening. So, Aaron, I'll lay the seven points, and I think Clemson rolls. What are you, what are you thinking? I'm rolling with you, too. I think Clemson rolls. Uh, I just don't think Virginia Tech's been tested like this yet this season. West Virginia's a good team. Uh, they won by seven points. I don't think they're a great team. Uh, and this Clemson team right now, the defense is just, you know, they're one of those defenses, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, those three uh, it's kind of scary to see those guys and what they can do on the football field. That's it, man. That's week five. We got the three games we covered. I'll probably go 3-0 again. Looks like you're going to be 2-1 and one again. We'll see that Saturday afternoon. What are your plans this weekend? Are you going to like hide in exile and just apologize to all Listen, your Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm so scared. I'm, I'm heading out to New Mexico, actually. I'm just so scared. No, I'm heading uh, covering the Air Force at New Mexico game this weekend, so I'll be out in Albuquerque. Uh, so kind of excited. If anyone has any suggestions on some good places to eat dinner out there or that's some fun break, things that's to where do, Breaking maybe. Bad was filmed, dude. You could go out there and oh, go, like, on go. A, a Breaking Bad filming location. little bus tour or something like that. So well, you can be right it'll be me. fun. I, I get to cover two teams that run the option, so it's going to be Sweet, for, for a quarterback dude. that throws the ball a lot. It's going to be interesting seeing these two teams kind of. Kind of covering them will be a nice little challenge for my for my second game up in the booth. That'll be great. And what time is that game going to be on CBS Sports Network so all of our listeners can tune in and watch you rock and roll? I believe it's going to be 5 Pacific or five, I think it's 5 Pacific five time. Pacific, or maybe so it's 5 Eastern. I don't know. It's 1 through. I just know it's at 5 something. It's 5. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's five o'clock somewhere, either but I think they're Pacific or it's Eastern. I don't know. Yeah. Check check the CBS schedule. You'll find it out. Check the CBS Sports schedule. You will find it out. You just all right. Yeah, it's five o'clock somewhere. I'm probably gonna go pour me a drink or something and relax on this evening. But hey, dude, fun episode. Great that you got to clear the air regarding your Georgia pick, and I like your predictions for this week in Week Five. Yeah, you too, brother, and good luck selling that house out there in Arizona. We'll need you to get back to Georgia, man. Get it over with. I'll be back in the great state of Georgia soon enough. But Aaron, appreciate you. You need you need to do some jury duty. I heard so. Oh, they're calling you. (laughs) Yep, that's it. That's it. All right, buddy. We'll appreciate you, and thanks to all of our listeners. Check back in next week. You have been listening to the Punt and Pass podcast. See ya.